Welcome to Living Well with Dr. Peg, where psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark explores a variety of mental health, wellness, and safety topics and shares biblically-based psychological strategies for living well and staying safe. Now, here is your host of Living Well with Dr. Peg, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the program. I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark coming to you from Denver, Colorado and sharing information and inspiration every Thursday from 1 to 2 Mountain on KLZ 560 and online at drpegradio.com. And if you missed last week's episode or any episode of Living Well with Dr. Peg, you can go to the program archives at drpegradio.com. And I think all my guests are awesome, but last week's guests were just amazing. I've been getting feedback how inspirational they were, so please go check out those program archives from last week. Now this week we've got another inspirational show and a show chock full of information as well, especially for families with school-aged children and those heading off to college. And we're going to place a special emphasis on blended families in particular. You know, it's summertime, it's vacation time, it's fun time, and hopefully some downtime. But how do you keep your children intellectually stimulated through the summer and ready for school in the fall? How do you keep their brains from not going to mush? <laughs> and especially if you're a blended family, how do you navigate and coordinate and, and really just survive all of the comings and goings between homes? How do you plan vacations? How do you enforce the summer rules at your house that are different than at bio dad's house? And the list goes on. Well, to help us keep our sanity through all the summer madness, my guests today are Director of Family Life Blended, Ron Deal, and later in the hour, academic coach and founder of Crimson Coaching, Dr. Dominique Paterano. But first, uh, Living, well is brought to, Living Well with Dr. Pegg is brought to you every week by our sponsor, SSI Guardian, who set the new standard in advanced safety education training and provides evidence-based best practices and existing solutions proven to make schools safer. And with SSI Guardian, you're getting the right training, the right equipment, and correct action plans. Contact, contact them today at SSIGuardian.com and tell them Dr. Pegg sent you. Well, I'm so pleased to have back on the program with me today Ron Deal. And Ron Deal is the Director of Family Life Blended, the Step Family Ministry Initiative of Family Life. And I just love when Ron is on Family Life. He's not only an expert regarding step families, but just has such a keen discernment about people and family dynamics in general and shares with such warmth and genuineness that really is just so rare these days. And Ron is also a marriage and family therapist and popular conference speaker and the author of top-selling books and online articles, making Ron Deal one of the most widely read and referenced authors on step families in the world. And I can't say enough good things about Ron Deal, so I'll, I'll just stop now and say, Ron Deal, thanks so much for being back on the program. Welcome. Well, thank you, Peggy. It's always good to be with you. Thanks so much. Well, uh, you've been on before, and we've talked about step families and also known as blended families. And uh, we see blended families all throughout the Bible, and uh, step families are on the rise. They're not really going away. Uh, the last time you were on the program, you shared a lot of statistics on step families and just wanted to give a, a recap of a couple of those stats just to put what we're talking about today in context. And 40% um, of married couples with children in the U.S. are step couples, uh, where at least one partner had a child from a previous relationship before marriage. And approximately one third of all weddings in America today form step families. 
and 38% of all U.S. marriages were remarriages for one or both partners. And so this really accounts for about 29 to 30 million adults who are step-parents and all of the millions of children living in those step-parent households. So they're, they're really here to stay, aren't they? Yeah, that's exactly right. I, and let me give you two other stats just to help flesh this out. Over 113 million Americans have a step relationship of some kind. 113 million, that's a third of the U.S. population. Wow. So you either have a step parent, a step sibling, or a step child. <laughs> uh, here's another stat just came out in January. 62% um, of couples, either married or cohabiting, 62% of couples under 55 have either a step parent or a step child to one of the partners. It's, it's unbelievable when you begin to think about how many people have a step relationship. And then when you add in those who love and care for somebody who does have a blended family situation, you know, this touches all of us. Absolutely. And pretty much if you think of all of your friends or all of your children's friends, there's going to be at least one, if not more, step families in the mix there. Now, Father's Day was just last Sunday, and happy belated Father's Day to you. And, oh, thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Well, Father's Day is not always easy for step families or Mother's Day yeah. for that matter. Um, talk about some of the challenges that uh, folks that you're in contact with in your uh, professional capacity uh, when they're celebrating these kinds of holidays that uh, are all about the parents, but they're in a blended family. Yeah, here's a contrast. It's a great question, Peg. Here's a contrast in terms of the everyday experience of people in first families or biological families, sometimes we call them, versus those in blended families. In first families, when you tend to have significant special days, like a holiday, a birthday, an anniversary, those days tend to be uh, places that bring people together. It's kind of like, you know, hey, I may not be getting along with my dad or my brother, whatever the case may be, but it's a birthday, for crying out loud. We can all come together. We kind of set our differences aside. We're celebrating Christmas or Thanksgiving or Father's Day, and we get through it. In blended families, when there is strong, healthy, established relationship, they too have that same experience. But in blended families where they're still trying to figure it out, the holiday or the special day tends to bring up stress that pushes people apart. It, it, it's a reminder on Father's Day that I have a dad, but you're not my dad. You're my stepdad. I may even like you. It may even respect you, but you're not my dad. And I'm kind of caught between my affection for you and my strong loyalty to my biological father. So it, it puts a child, whether that child is 5, 15, or 35 years of age, in a little bit of a bind about how they respond and communicate to both of those men. Or maybe it's a, a step-sibling you know, who are like, okay, you, you celebrate your dad on Father's Day, but I don't. And so that puts you and me at odds with one another, right? Or it's a mom who is a, also a stepmom, and her biological children uh, honor her on Mother's Day, but her stepchildren don't, right? So it, it, it's one of those things that just kind of create, it's a reminder of the ambiguity of the relationships that we're dealing with. That tends to create some stress. That tends to push people apart rather than bringing them together. Yeah, I think um, you really capture all of the the possibilities. And depending on uh, the way that your blended family is configured, it could be even more complicated than that. 
And, you know, mm -hmm. when people put on their status on social media, it's complicated. <laughs> uh, yeah. They usually yeah. are just talking about the person they're dating, but really that, that's a good status often for blended families. Um, now, how can we have some wins on Mother's Day and Father's Day or even Grandparents' Day uh, when step families are involved? Uh, what are some helpful tips around these holidays that specifically do celebrate the parenting relationship? Yeah, so a couple of thoughts. First of all, try to anticipate what you think is going to happen. And, and that should be based on not your fantasy of what will happen, but on what you think is actually going to happen. What I mean by that is if your expectations are really high, that your kids are going to automatically love your new spouse on Father's Day. You, you know, you're a woman married to a guy who's a stepdad to your kids, um, and you, you desperately want everybody to get along, and so you're hoping Father's Day will be the magic moment to bring them all together. You know what? You're going to make things worse because you're creating an expectation on your children. They read you. They know mom needs us to love him. That creates pressure. Most kids tend to kind of push back from that. You've just made it harder for them to honor him rather than easier. Now, you can create an environment where they have an opportunity to honor him, show their appreciation, whatever that might be, in any way that they choose. But when you go high pressure, like you're going to do this, like you should, you know, and you're going to love it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Then that, that works against you. So measure what is. If your kids are getting along well with their stepdad on father, for Father's Day, then great. Let them celebrate that however they want. It's going to happen naturally anyway. But if there is this uh, unknown, if there's a little tension, if there's we're, we're just not sure how this is going to shake out, then don't expect a lot. Lower your expectations. Plan for what is. Create a climate where there can be uh, an expression of appreciation and thankfulness, but we don't expect love. Right? That's a good distinction there. Right. And, and that's, that's, go that's ahead. sort of... Uh, you know, having that sort of approach makes it easier for people to find each other and to do what is actual authentic. Children get to be authentic. The stepdad gets to be authentic. We don't have to fake it. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I, and I think that's the way to, to get through this year. Now, here's the good news. Next year, you may be in a completely different place, and Father's Day may have a totally different experience and be far more positive. You know, hold on for that. Keep moving forward, but don't or try to expect it to happen today. Right. And you've talked on previous shows with me, and, and uh, you speak prolifically about this, that uh, step families, blended families, are really like a crock pot. It can be a slow yeah. Yeah. blending. It's not just literally putting it in, not literally, but uh, metaphorically putting it in, putting the family in the blender, pressing the button, and great, we're all one big happy unit. It can be very slow yeah. for different uh, right. members of the family. Uh, now, yeah, take mm-hmm. Let me add one more thought yeah. um, that I think is helpful for adults and maybe any children that are listening. And when I say children, again, you could be an adult stepchild. Yes. You, you could be in your mid-40s and you, your mom married somebody when she was 75 after your father passed away or whatever. Um, and so you could be in the exact, exact same situation listening to this conversation. Um, have an abundance perspective, not a scarcity perspective, right? Okay, scarcity is I only have so much love to go around. I have to give it to the people I'm most loyal to, and then I'm going to be rude to the persons I'm not loyal to. <laughs> that's a scarcity point of view. That's not true, first of all. I mean, God gives us more than enough love to share with anybody in our lives. Right? We never run out of that. 
So recognize that you can be loving towards people that, you know, a biological father, for example, you can be deeply loving towards them, show respect and honor on, on Father's Day, and you can also find whatever's in a genuine, authentic way to, uh, to express whatever you feel towards a stepfather. It does, not, it does not take away from your relationship with your biological father. Have an abundant perspective. The flip side of this is very important as well, and that is this, Dr. Pegg. If you're the adult step-parent, let's say you're a step-dad, and uh, you didn't get recognition or honor ad- admiration from your stepchildren last week, and you've been kind of walking around sulking about it ever since. An abundance perspective, that's a scarcity point of view. An abundance perspective says, okay, they're doing what they can today. Our family has a great potential. We've got to keep moving. And just because I didn't get all the love that I wanted a week ago doesn't mean that I'm not going to get it at some point in the future. Embrace what you have, accept it for what it is, and keep moving forward. (laughs) Wonderful advice from my guest, Ron Deal. He's the director of Family Life Blended. And listeners, if you have a question or you need some help this summer for your blended family, you can call us now at 303-477-5600. We'd love to take your question or your situation that you may be struggling with, or maybe you have a good story to tell about how your Father's Day went last week or how your blended family is coming together. We'd love to hear from you. Again, that's 303 477 5,600. Well, Ron, you said so many good things there about really um, anticipating kind of where your family's at and what's the reality of the situation, but creating a climate where something possible, uh, something could possibly happen if that climate is there and people are being authentic. So how much of a role should the other parent play in helping children celebrate a step-parent? You know, when little kids are you know, toddlers, parents will take them to the store, help them pick out a card for dad's birthday. But when we're talking about older kids who they're capable of of, um, celebrating and acknowledging a step-parent on their own, what role should that other parent who's in that home uh, play, the biological parent, to to encourage them or help them celebrate that step-parent? Well, we've already alluded to the loyalty issues Mm -hmm. that, that children naturally feel. It is a tremendous blessing on the heart and mind and soul of a child when a parent comes to them and says, you know, look, I love you like crazy and I know you love me and it's okay with me. Imagine a mom saying that it's okay with me for you to like and love and get along with your stepmother in the other house. That releases that child to have a relationship on its own terms with their stepmother. In the absence of that permission, a child will naturally feel conflict about embracing the stepmother. Like, I don't want to hurt my mom's feelings. Like, I don't want her to get the sense that I'm shifting my loyalties over there and away from my mom. So I'm just going to tell rotten stories about my stepmom, and I'm going to be rude to her when I'm in her presence. And when I'm with my mom, I'm going to make sure I tell negative stories about the stepmom because I want my mom to know that I love her most, right? That, that just turns children into this little you know, pawn in, in the battle of the adults, which is just horrible. It's a heavy, heavy burden on their heart that lasts well into adulthood and affects how they do relationships. Give your child the blessing of your permission. You acknowledge the abundance perspective we just talked about and say, I know you love me. It's okay if you get along with your stepmom. Enjoy her this weekend. Then you can say, how would you like to do that? 
how would you like to honor your stepdad? Do you want to go get a card? Can I drive you to the store? Do you want me to stand outside while you pick something up? You can then negotiate, if you will, with the child how you support them, give an expression to whatever it is they want to say or do. But permission is what precedes that. Mm-hmm. Outstanding advice and um, really does work with all ages because just as a, a smaller child would need help um, even in that first family or biological family, um, uh, they can still be encouraged, and older children, of course, can do that independently, but it's giving them permission. I love what you're saying. We're going to talk some more, Ron, about other types of events, special events over the summer. We've got weddings, um, may even still be some graduations that haven't happened yet. There's family reunions. Uh, There's summer vacations, so many things happening in the summertime that could be a challenge for any family, and in particular, blended families. My guest is Ron Deal, Director of Family Life Blended, and we'll continue talking about these summer challenges for blended families. Stay with us. We'll be back after these messages. Studies show that safety greatly impacts student learning and a teacher's ability to do what they do best. Be it broken furniture, a leaking roof, or more serious threat of violence, the 21st Century Safe School by School Specialty addresses school safety from the emotional, social, and physical perspective. Don't wait another moment. Call 877-878-5800 or visit ssiguardian.com. Threats at our schools and workplace continue at an alarming rate and require an innovative approach to overall institutional safety. A 21st century safe school needs the right training, the right equipment, and the correct action plan to achieve a future-ready, safe learning environment. SSI Guardian's comprehensive, evidence-based solutions and Tier 1 security consulting is the only active shooter training in America with an accredited CEU. Don't trust your safety to just anyone. SSI Guardian is the only choice. Visit us at SSIGuardian.com. You can learn a lot about yourself and God from a dog. When her children asked for a dog, this mom got them gerbils. So imagine their surprise, and hers, when she adopted an abandoned dog that she met in Dallas, Texas, just one day after her divorce. In a way that only God could orchestrate, her spur-of-the-moment decision to take in a little dog she named Dallas was just the beginning of a seven-year journey that transformed her life and taught her to see herself and God in a whole new light. Read Doggy Tales, Lessons on Life, Love, and Loss I Learned from My Dog, a delightful and heartwarming book by psychologist Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Part memoir, part Christian inspiration, Doggy Tales is a must-read for anyone who wants to learn to recognize God's voice, even in the most unlikely places. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll love Doggy Tales. Go to drpegradio.com books to purchase your copy today. Welcome back, everyone. This is Living Well with Dr. Peg, and I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, and we're halfway through the year. Have you accomplished the goals you set back in January? Do you want to get unstuck and establish new habits that will keep you on track? Well, if you're finally ready to make those changes you've been meaning to make in your life, contact me today to learn more about results coaching. All coaching is done by telephone, which makes it easy and efficient 
to experience the lasting change you desire. Go to drpegradio.com and click on coaching. And if you want to share the gift of change with a friend or loved one, you can purchase your copy of the 10th anniversary edition of my book, Do Something Different for a Change. Just go to drpegradio.com today and click on books. Well, you can also get a copy of my guest book, Ron Deal, who's the director of Family Life Blended and the author of the book, Encouragement for the Smart Step Family, 365 Days uh, Devotional for Blended Family Couples. And Ron has arranged to have a free 14-day sample PDF available for my listeners today. Just go to drpegradio.com and you'll see a link there to the sample. Ron Deal, thanks so much for that free gift and welcome back to the program. Thank you. Well, uh, you also have uh, an amazing event that's coming up in October, the Summit on Step Family Ministry. Uh, tell our listeners about that and who, who it's for. Yeah, it's a ministry equipping event. So most of the people who come are couples that are part of a step family that want to help other couples in their local community or church. Uh, we do have pastors all the way down to children's ministry leaders and elders and all kinds of people who are just interested in equipping their local church to make a difference in the lives of blended families. It's a two-day equipment event. We help you understand step families and what's going on and what are the inner dynamics. But we also talk about ministry structure, options, how you work with other ministries within your church, how you promote and market the events. Um, it's really meant to just build up um, local congregations to be able to do step family ministry. Excellent. And how can listeners um, plug into that and get in touch with you, learn more about the other things that you're doing? Well, to be in touch with our entire ministry, Family Life Blended, just simply go to familylife.com and click the Blended Family section, familylife.com. Familylife.com. And again, I also have a link there uh, from my website at drpegradio.com, and you'll be able to check out Ron's book, get that free PDF sample of his latest book and find out more about the Summit on Step Family Ministry. Well, maybe going to Little, Little Rock could be a family vacation for that Step Family okay. Summit. Um, let's talk about family vacations and um, reunions and weddings and graduations, all the fun things that happen over the summer. And as you said, Ron, uh, earlier, that uh, when our families are going well, these are opportunities to, for people to come together and enjoy one another. But when there are conflicts or there's some distance uh, in any family, really, and we're highlighting blended families today, uh, that stress can push folks apart. And so it can be stressful um, going on vacation together, having a family reunion. Uh, what would be some of the unique challenges uh, that you've seen with the step families that you work with uh, during these special events in the summer? Well, yeah, like we said with the previous segment, you know, sometimes being together with other people in a uh, kind of intense environment reminds you of what you don't have and who you aren't yet as a family. And that brings up stress. Um, new blended families have to deal with you know, their ideas of what a vacation is, you know, I mean, he, he and his kids, a vacation is sleeping under the stars in a tent and eating something they killed, you know, the day before. And her, she and her kids, their idea of a vacation is, is the Marriott, you know, and a resort where everybody waits on them and they have a swimming pool, you know, so you cram that, those two groups of people together. And the first time they go on vacation, somebody's miserable, right? And that just represents, this new family and what are we doing and why are we doing this? And that just brings up all kinds of questions and, you know, it makes people 
think whether they made a mistake. Uh, you know, all of that is just a very natural process. You have to, as a family unit, figure out what you like and can appreciate and value as a group. And that may take you two, three, four, five, six years to figure out the magic sauce so that when you go on vacation, it's really a joyful, you know, relaxing experience. Uh, you know, one of the things I tell blended families all the time is plan ahead as best you can based on what you know. But then you got to live and learn. You know, live and learn. I hate to say it, you know, part of the equation of this is is I don't know what's going to work for your family. You're going to have to figure that out. And so you may have a few failures before you have some successes. But don't let your failures make you think that you should have never gotten together or you've made a mistake or this was a bad idea. No, it's just a part of learning how to be a family with one another and figuring out uh, what, what does, you know, what's enjoyable for all the parties. Live and learn and keep moving forward. Now, yeah, I hear, I hear that theme. Keep moving. Keep it moving. Yeah, <laughs> well, keep moving. And I was going to ask you some real specifics, but I hear what you're saying is it really depends on the family dynamics because I'm thinking yeah. about um, who should even go on these vacations. You know, how do you plan it? The biological kids that the couple has, stepkids. The stepkids might have other stepkids in their household. Uh, I've been watching um, um, Jada Pinkett Smith has a um, online program, and the the one episode I saw was about blended families, and she talked about how um, her her husband had a son from his first marriage that she embraced and brought into the family before they even had their own children, uh, but they had Christmas and um, family vacations, not only with his, his son, obviously, and, and their children together, but his first son's mom, his ex-wife, would join them for the holidays and for vacations. And so how do we decide who should even participate? Uh, some um, some of the folks in the blended family may not even really know each other. If there's stepkids um, in, on the other side of the new blended family, they may not even interact and in, in know one another. Well, that example you just gave is an abundance perspective mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. right? They see that we can all be together, even though we have our differences, even though there's a difficult path that led to a breakup between the two of you. That doesn't mean that I can't embrace you and we can figure out a way to enjoy Christmas together for the sake of the children. That's an abundance perspective at its best. Now, some people hearing you give, tell that story just went, oh, my word, that would <laughs> never happen. I, we could never accomplish that. It would be World War III. And you know who you are. It's okay. So you know your circumstances. <laughs> yes. That's not the right answer for you. And I would say don't feel the pressure that you somehow have to accomplish that. If someday you get there, hallelujah. But you don't feel like you have to force that. What, what I would say to those people is you know what the limits are. Um, you know the climate. Figure out a way to at least set aside what you can and try to cooperate in such a way that you diminish the conflict on behalf of the kids. And so maybe it's we're going to celebrate Christmas three days before Christmas. Um, Maybe this summer it translates into we're changing our vacation a little bit to accommodate the other household a little, not completely, but just a little, because that gives the children the blessing of a vacation with this house and a vacation in that house. You know, whatever those accommodations are, you're going to make sacrifices at times. Again, you don't have to do everything that they want you to do, but on occasion that might be the right thing to do on behalf of the kids. When you have that kind of flexibility, 
when you're willing to uh, control yourself, put aside your bitterness, hurt, pain, whatever it is, and figure out ways to be cooperative, a couple of things happen. Again, immediately you create a better environment for the children. They don't get caught in the battles between the adults. That's number one. That's huge, right? But number two, I think what you'll find if you sustain that attitude over the years is that the other household gets a little more that way. It gets easier for you to find cooperation. And over time, you actually can get to a better place that you could never have imagined. It's persistence. It's uh, being dedicated to the process that pays off. Absolutely. Well, in your um, in your um, new book, Encouragement for the Smart Step Family, 365-Day Devotional for Blended Family Couples, you talk about um, remembering that you're a bonus parent. Uh, so mm-hmm. speaking to that uh, abundance mindset, uh, you're not replacing the biological parent, but you have the ability to add a little something extra, a bonus. Mm-hmm. And really, mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about is w- blended families are where they are. Uh, be realistic about it, um, go with the flow, live and learn, keep it moving, and recognize you can always start over the next day and give more and do more. Yeah, um, very true. I, I, and I find, by the way, Dr. Peg, this bonus um, mindset or, or a framework for thinking about who you are as a step-parent is not only important for the step-parent to have, it is very important for the biological parent to have. Because mm. I, sometimes the worst person in the equation is the biological parent who, who has the expectation that this step-parent is going to fill all the gaps in their children's lives, is going to right all the wrongs, is going to come in and be the you know, soldier on the white horse, and everything's going to be great. We're going to repair and restore what was lost. That is far too high of an expectation for the step-parent that sets them and your children up for conflict and you know, a just sense of dread about one another, and you are constantly walking around disappointed. That doesn't help anybody. When you see them as bonus, then that means everything they offer is bonus, not requirement. It's bonus if they love your children. It's bonus when they go out of their way to serve them and care for them. It's bonus when they hop on the floor and start playing games with the kids. It's bonus that your children have this father figure in their lives that they didn't have any other way. And you become more appreciative for that person and the role that they play. That fosters more of a sense of family and a sense of calm. You know, think about that. I think a lot of step families, you could just characterize them as chaos and anxiety. But when you find calm, it makes it easier for people to start getting along. Little things like that matter. Wow. That's really good, Ron. Uh, it's a whole uh, reframing of a mindset mm-hmm. and how you're seeing this um, as an opportunity um, coming together as a blended family, not to be the savior, but to yeah. be a help, to be a bonus. I love that. And extending yourself grace, whether you're the biological parent or the um, the step uh, parent. Uh, also in your devotional, one of the days is um, you say, be vulnerable. Uh, open up and share something about yourself, and it seems like that would be something that uh, would draw people in. Uh, if there, if yeah. there are misperceptions, for example, about a step parent, for that person to be vulnerable 
and open up and share and let let that uh, child know who they really are uh, would go a long way. Yeah, you know as a psychologist and you know as a radio interviewer that when somebody on your program, if it's you or a guest, starts being very transparent about their life, your audience leans into the radio a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Why? Because we love it when somebody says, yeah, I feel this way too. Yeah, this is really what's going on inside of me because we can all relate to that. Vulnerability draws us closer because it says you're real, you care enough about me to share you, and I like the fact that you're not putting on pretenses, you're not proud, uh, and, and again, it just makes you a safe person. When a step-parent does that with stepchildren, I, I, let me do the other side. I'm baffled when a step-parent sits back and goes, well, those kids never talk to me. Why should I tell them anything about me? Well, that's the point. You don't feel safe with them, and they don't feel safe with you. Somebody has to go first. Why don't you be the bold one? Why don't you be the courageous one? Why don't you be the grown-up? You, you be the grown-up. Thank you. You said it the way I wanted to say it. <laughs> you know, you go first. Now, is that risky? Yes. Might they laugh at you? Might they poo-poo that? Might they pull away? Might they minimize what you just shared? Might they not respond at all? Yes. All of those things are true. But over time, that openness on your part says something. It invites them. I think it softens the heart of the other person. And for most people, not all circumstances everywhere with every child, but I think in a lot of circumstances, over time that can soften a kid's heart. And the next thing you know, you guys are talking and connecting in ways that you could not ever before. That's awesome. Well, Ron, uh, in my last segment, I'm going to be bringing on uh, Dr. Dominique Paterano, and she's an academic coach. And uh, she's going to share how to keep kids intellectually engaged over the summer and how to help them make the transition back to school in the fall successfully. And um, as we wrap up with you in this segment, uh, talk a little bit about back-to-school planning. Um, it, it's hard enough for, for all families, for the first family, the bio family, as you call it. And Dr. Peel, yeah. share more with us about some of those strategies that will help all families. But there are the unique challenges that step families face with um, new routines, new activities, possibly even a new school, going back and forth between the homes. What tips do you have uh, for blended families yeah. in, in, uh, over the summer and getting back ready for school? Well, one of the greatest ironies of divorce or a disillusion of a relationship is that co-parents, ex-spouses, have to figure out ways of cooperating around things they couldn't cooperate around when they were married. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, that, and that can be challenging, let's just say it. Uh, but at the end of the day, that's what it is. You set aside your personal agendas and need and pain, and you say, what would a good parent do? Well, I need to make a phone call. I need to send an email. I need to communicate our schedule, our need. Uh, here's what the school's saying. We need to buy shoes and socks. We need backpacks. We need to, you know, and you just begin to communicate in a business-like manner what's going on so that the other household has an opportunity to respond business-like, in-kind. And, you know, if it's very business-like, then that's great because that keeps you from moving off into old personal battles that you never could resolve and you never will resolve. Keep it around the business of parenting. Uh, do everything you can to be disciplined in, in how you respond. And when, and when they incite you, you know, when they tap into something in your gut and make you angry, you set it aside. You go, what's the issue here? The issue is the child's schedule. How do I get back on that? You know, that sort of personal discipline 
goes a long way. So it's planning and it's communicating and it's, um, uh, again, having an abundance mindset, not, wait a minute, I want all the time with the kids when they go to their school functions. You know, how do we share that time? How do we um, communicate? I'll pick up, you drop off. You know, But it, what you're saying is there is room and space at this event for both of us to be at the first day of school, to be at Grandparents' Day, to be at you know, the school event activities. Do your part to, um, to be cooperative and businesslike, and you hope the other side does the same. There are many people listening right now who know the other side is not going to do the same. They are going to be difficult. And in those circumstances, it takes an extra grace and a mm-hmm. tremendous mercy on your part to, to you know, bite your lip and get through the moment as best you can and you just pray that that's enough, right? And again, over time, you hope that those little things that you do are going to help the other house soften and not be so difficult. Right. Sometimes they just are. They just are. But if we have an abundance mindset, that we've got uh, God's grace is sufficient to help us through it. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, Ron Deal, um, director of um, Family Life Blended and author of the new, new book, Daily Encouragement for the Smart Step Family. Thanks so much for sharing your insights and expertise with us. Have a great and safe summer. Thank you, Peg. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we're going to take a break. And coming up in our last segment, my next guest knows a lot about getting kids ready for a new school year and even launching them off to college. Dr. Dominique Paterano, an academic coach and founder of Crimson Coaching, will share how to keep kids intellectually engaged over the summer and help them make the transition back to school in the fall successfully. Stay with us. We'll be back. I'm taking my own freedom, putting it in my soul. Schools are increasingly adopting 21st century learning strategies. However, safety largely remains absent from the conversation and fragmented efforts continue allowing for security gaps. Studies show effective learning can only exist when students and teachers feel safe. As the industry leader providing innovative educational solutions for more than 58 years, School Specialty has created the 21st Century Safe School, which aligns next generation learning best practices with proven safety solutions focused on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being of every student, teacher, and school employee. From early childhood solutions to advanced training for teachers and administrators, the 21st Century Safe School is the most complete and comprehensive approach available to schools and universities. As a parent, you have every right to demand that your child is afforded the safest environment. Take action today by calling us at 877-878-5800 and learn more about this innovative approach at SSIGuardian.com. Hi, I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Do you ever make changes, but after a few days, weeks, or even months, you slip back into your old behaviors and patterns? If you want something different, you've got to do something different. Yet most people won't do what's required to experience the lasting change they say they want. Why? Because change is hard, it's scary, and it comes at a cost. If you're ready for change, join me for a one-day, do-something-different-for-a-change personal transformation retreat. In this intensive yet intimate retreat, you'll learn fundamental principles and strategies for lasting change and transformation and craft a customized plan that you can put into action right away. Contact me today to schedule your own private VIP, do something different for a change, personal transformation retreat. Go to drpegradio.com retreat.
Well, with Dr. Peg, I'm your host, Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in with us. We were talking about uh, summer challenges specifically for step families, and we're going to shift gears and dig in on how to keep your children engaged academically and intellectually over the summer months, uh, whether you're a step family or an original or biological family, as um, Ron Deal called it, the first family. Um, Ron Deal is the director of uh, Family Life Blended. And again, you can learn more about him at familylife.com. And I've got links to him at drpegradio.com, as well as he's got a uh, free 14-day sample PDF available for my listeners today of his new book, Daily Encouragement for the Smart Step Family. It's a 365-day devotional for blended family couples. And my guest today is Dr. Dominique Paterano, and she's the head coach and founder of Crimson Coaching. And Dr. P, as her students call her, helps a wide range of students, from those struggling in a large class to those who require added rigor and enrichment beyond the scope of what the busy classroom teacher can provide. Uh, Dr. P is certified in New York State to teach grades K through 6 in all subjects, as well as in social studies, Spanish, and art. Um, Dr. P is going to be joining us by telephone here in just a moment, and uh, she lives in my home state of New York and um, is a Long Island girl, too, I believe, and uh, I won't hold it against her that she's a graduate of Harvard, and uh, her business is called Crimson Coaching. I'm a Brown University graduate, so I'm going to just keep that part to myself. But Dr. P, thanks so much for being with us. Welcome to the program. Thanks so much, Dr. Pegg. I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> All right. Well, ever true to Brown, for any of my Brown uh, classmates listening, your, Harvard is one of our major rivals. <laughs> That's okay. We're all friends now, <laughs> We're all though. friends. We're all friends. Well, awesome. Well, Chris, Crimson, Crimson Coaching uh, offers so many services that families can benefit from, uh, even over the summer months. So, Dr. P., talk about the work that you do and, and all the different services that you offer students and their families. Sure, thanks. So really, Crimson Coaching's work has five main prongs. First, I work with students one-on-one, helping them improve their skills and grades, hopefully, in subjects like history or English, Spanish, and French. We also offer prep for standardized tests like the SAT and GRE. Third, we uh, assist students applying to college to write polished admissions essays, which will give them a balanced application that maximizes their chances of admission and hopefully potential scholarship money. Fourth, I offer small classes, seminars, and one-on-one coaching and study skills, time management, organization, and other skills that students need to succeed in high school and college, but which they often lack. And lastly, I educate parents both through those classes as well as um, through my blog and newsletter and social media and on published articles. Great. Well, so comprehensive. There's something in there for everyone. And our audience is primarily the parents, but uh, there may be some young people listening, and so we hope that they're going to pick up some tips as well. Uh, but uh, for, especially for the parents, uh, what are some of the specific challenges that uh, young people face academically during the summer? You know, it, it's downtime. We just talked in the previous segment with Ron mm-hmm. Deal about family vacations and some of the challenges around that, especially if you're in a blended family. Uh, mm-hmm. But what are those challenges academically, intellectually, that parents are concerned about over the summer? Sure. So a a recent Brookings Institution survey showed that on average, 
students' achievement scores declined during summer vacation by up to one month's worth of school year learning, and that the declines were sharper for math and for reading, which probably won't surprise people because there are lots of summer reading programs and things like that, but not many for math. And the most surprising thing that I learned from that survey was that the extent of loss was larger at higher grade levels. Mm. Because usually when we talk about summer slide, we think about elementary school students, but actually that's, it's, it's quite common for that to happen at, at high school and middle school level as well. Wow. Well, that doesn't surprise me. My, my husband is a uh, middle school uh, math teacher and um, uh, kind of talks about that the first couple weeks of school with the math classes is really review and mm. sometimes more than review. It's almost like he's teaching it for the first time. So that's not too surprising. Right. Now, as kids get older, though, I notice they're not as interested in these summer reading programs. You can usually attract right. the younger kids into those. So how do we how do we keep our kids, um, number one, um, keep them from sliding in math, that summer slide in particular in math, but just in general, how do we, what are some great ways to keep especially older kids reading all summer long? Sure, so that's a great question. As much as possible, you want to try to let your child's own interests guide the activities. So if your uh, son likes sports, have him read sports biographies. Um, you can also uh, create a sort of family book group and choose a book that the entire family can read and let the, the children choose what book that is. And then maybe you'll discuss it chapter by chapter over dinner. And I actually have suggestions for different titles on my website at crimsoncoaching.com under the resources tab. And your local librarian is also a great source for um, book suggestions. And finally, all year long, it's a really great idea for parents to model the behavior that they'd like to see their child adopt. So if you want him to read more historical fiction, you may read more historical fiction. Um, so that's, I think, really good work to do with, with reading. As far as um, the math, I think, you know, for younger children, I would try to incorporate math into everyday activities. So, for instance, if you're cooking dinner, have your child double or have all of the ingredients to practice multiplication and division. Um, you may also, for older children, visit KhanAcademy.org so that the child can watch videos. And you can also develop a personalized program for your child there to um, you know, get a jump start on next year or just retain what she learned this year. And then finally, I think, you know, if camps are in your child's budget, there are if, in your family's budget, rather, um, there are a lot of great camps that creatively integrate reading and math skills, but in, in a way that the kids don't even realize that they're using reading and math. Mm -hmm. So um, you may want to check out your local live, uh, university offerings in that regard. Okay, well, let, let's back up a little bit because sure. I hear what you're saying about um, let the child's interests guide their choices and activities, but I'm mm -hmm. hearing more and more, sadly, children who say, I just don't like to read. I don't want to read. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with you about parents modeling the behaviors that you want your kids to do. It's one thing to tell your kid to read, but they've never seen you pick up a book. <laughs> um, but what if, what if you have a kid that just says, I don't like to read? 
Um, what what should we do? Should we offer rewards? Should we punish them? You can't do something you want to do until you've read this one chapter or you've read 30 minutes a day. What would be your practical recommendations there? I know this may sound crazy, um, but I would actually experiment at the very beginning with reading out loud to my child, even a child in high school. When I very early in my teaching career, I was, gosh, 26 years old, so my students weren't much younger than I was. I actually spent the better part of a class period reading an excerpt from All Quiet on the Western Front from them. I was teaching World War I. And within 10 minutes, I had those students, who were some difficult students, really spellbound. And I was shocked at how they crave that. I think sometimes we just assume that older students don't want that or need that. But if your child is really pushing back, you might even try that. And you may find that that kind of bond that you develop through that activity may ignite something in the child to say, oh, maybe I'll go and read the next chapter on my own before bed. Okay, that's great. And we used to um, play audio books when my kids were younger, and I, I instilled in them enough of a love of reading that I didn't really have to worry much about it as teenagers because they just enjoyed reading and would get their own books. But when they were younger, uh, in addition to reading print books, we used to listen to audio books, and we first started doing that on long road trips. And we'd find a book that the whole family family could enjoy. And uh, I even once had them listen to How to Win Friends and Influence People, <laughs> just trying to find, uh, you know, something appropriate for all ages and interests. But um, I'm not sure they were too interested in that. But um, audio books. And then we would actually, uh, even when we were not on trips, we'd sometimes sit outside on the porch uh, after, you know, being outside in the hot sun and just needing to kind of sit still for a while in the shade, we'd put on a, an audio book and, uh, you know, have that same book playing most of the summer uh, just for a few minutes at a time. What are your thoughts about that with audio books being so available today? I think that's a great idea. And I, I basically any activity that will get your child to pay sustained attention to a text whether it's by listening or by with his or her eyes, is really important. And, you know, it's not just important for the literacy skills in and of themselves, which, of course, as somebody who has a Ph.D. in a humanities field, I think is important. But when you talk about students getting into the 11th and 12th grades, they're going to be needing to taking SAT, ACT. And a lot of times Students just lack the concentration that they need to sit there for three hours and pay sustained attention to a single task. And reading is a really wonderful way to develop that sustained attention. Mm -hmm. So we can't talk about sustained attention and focus for long periods of time without talking about digital distractions mm -hmm. and digital media, screen time. Uh, what are your uh, recommendations to parents around screen time in the context of preparing them uh, for the next school year and to prevent that summer slide? Right. Well, I think it should be part of a comprehensive year-long plan. So I think it's unrealistic that if you haven't been setting 
limits during the school year when ostensibly the school year there should perhaps be more limits on because they actually have a lot more work to do and you may want to loosen the reins a little bit over summer. But I do think that, you know, having the phone out of the child's room at bedtime, whatever that is, is uh, a reasonable thing, especially for any student who's not in college yet. Um, you know, I, I know people who have teenagers who are up in the summer until 4 a.m., on their phones. I don't think that's going to serve anybody really well because children need at that age as teenagers at least nine hours of sleep a night. So um, I do think that it's important to set limits. Um, And, you know, another way that I might do that is, um, you know, we've actually, sorry, I just have to shut that off. Um, (laughs) Speaking um, of digital distractions, Dr. P. (laughs) Exactly. uh, you know, summer is a great time to learn new skills, and one that uh, you and I have talked about before is yoga and meditation and different mindfulness activities. You know, that is a great way not only to kind of um, de-stress a student from the past year, but also almost to sort of build up a well or a reserve of well-being going into the the coming year. And so I think, you know, as a student develops more mindfulness, perhaps through yoga and meditation, they themselves will realize, oh, I've been on my phone for an hour now. Maybe it's time for me to put that down and, you know, interact or pick up a book or do something. That sounds good. Well, I'm speaking with Dr. Dominique Paterano, or Dr. P, and she's the head coach and founder of Crimson Coaching. And we're talking about how to keep kids engaged over the summer and so that they're not experiencing this summer slide in their academics, in particular math, but also reading, any other, any other um, academic subject. If you'd like to ask Dr. P a question, you can give us a call at 303 477 5600. Well, Dr. P, you mentioned um, stress management, yoga, mindfulness. Um, how how helpful are those uh, for kids during the school year, and and how do we how do we really um, get them involved in that in the summertime? I've found in in my work, both as a classroom teacher as well as a one on one academic tutor, yoga holds tremendous benefits to ease anxiety, and this generation is, by many accounts, one of the most anxious we've seen. Mm. Um, You know, I would lead, when I was a classroom teacher, I would lead very brief, brief breathing exercises in the beginning of class, and by the end of the year, many students told me or wrote on my little evaluation form that, that that was actually the favorite part of their class. Uh, of the class because it was a respite from the busy, uh, fast-paced uh, day that they that they saw. Other students experienced tremendous test anxiety, especially around things like the SAT and ACT. So, in my work one-on-one with students, I've used mindful breathing and also guided visualizations. And uh, you can also visit my website. I have a recording on there for any student who would like to, or parent, uh, who would like to check that out on the resources page at crimsoncoaching.com. And that would just help them prepare. And in doing so, 
that that anxiety got ratcheted down. Yeah. And well, we've got two minutes left, Doctor P. Mm-hmm. Talk about some real practical things that um, parents can help uh, young people with getting them ready for the school year, especially those who are going off to college or even entering their junior and senior year, which is pretty high stakes in terms of being college bound. Sure. So just as um, you know, your your last guest was talking about kind of being um, softening and kind of acknowledging. Uh, your own limitations, I also think you should let your child really be the guide. So if your child had a tough year in any way, say socially, maybe this is the year that you'll send her to the camp that she's really been wanting to attend because those social connections can last her throughout the year, for example. Um, For uh, students who are going off to college, I think one of the most Uh, difficult transitions that they have is uh, learning how to manage their time because there's so much less classroom time involved at college and much more independent time that um, you may really want to talk to your child about different ways to manage your time either online or through paper-based calendars. Um, And again, you know, I I offer coaching in that regard as well for students who just, um, you know, either need a tune-up or um, more uh, kind of structure. Right, great. Well, speaking of time management, Dr. P, we're out of time for today's (laughs) show. I'd love to have you back on later in the summer and get uh, parents uh, some, some additional tips. But thanks so much for being on the show today and sharing your expertise with us. That sounds great. Thank you, Dr. Pegg. You're welcome. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. My guests this hour were Ron Deal and Dr. Dominique Paterano. And I'm Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark, reminding you to live well. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Living Well with Dr. Pegg. For more information or to contact Dr. Peggy Mitchell-Clark about her mental health or consulting services, please visit her webpage at drpegradio.com.